Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at The Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. I want to share with you the concept of let us become. Let us become. Father, I ask that you'd anoint my lips this morning. I ask that you would anoint our ears this morning. And Lord, I thank you for worship that plows our hearts up to receive the word of God. Lord, let it be received this morning. Maybe not fully comprehended, but let it be received this morning. And Lord, may your word have its free course in our lives today. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now to let us become, I'm a firm believer that what you behold is what you become. What you behold is what you become. If you don't believe me, look at the way people dress and then find out what kind of music they listen to. Find out what movies they watch. Find, come on. And what they behold, what they spend time with, what they gaze upon is what they start to become. They start to transform into, right? So you can speak of Jesus. And in and, and, uh, John chapter 1, in John chapter 1, it speaks of Jesus in verse 14. And the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So John and Peter are really good buddies, and later in their life, they started talking about that out of Jesus would flow if you become a partaker of the divine nature. If you would if you'd couple yourself with the vine, the vine, die vine, if you couple yourself with the vine and he would become your source of life, he said eventually glory and virtue would come out of you. Because they beheld Jesus, they were able to say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I do have in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, to be healed, right? To be raised up, to be lifted up, to be delivered. Glory started to come out of them. They were partakers of the divine nature. He does not just want you to be and have a resurrection in heaven. He wants you to be a partaker of that divine nature. So if the word can become flesh and we can behold his glory, then I think that flesh that the word comes to could become spiritual, could become the word, and they could behold the glory of God. You see, the earth is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. They're waiting for that which brings the glory. Now, when we sang earlier and we sang about rest on me, rest on me, rest on me, we kind of hung there for a while. That is the very key identification that John the Baptist had from the Father is that when he said, this is how you'll know who he is, it'll be the one that the Spirit comes and rests upon and remains on him. He did not say you'll know him because he's a Pentecostal attender or because he's a charismatic worshiper that the Spirit comes on him when things are going good, but it pops off him when things aren't going good. He said he'll be the one that... rest on and remains on. You don't need a relationship. We need to get out of a relationship that we're always wrestling with God. That's the that's the, the, the enemy's work we're always wrestling with where he's resting on us. Jesus is looking for a place. Birds have nests, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. John said, oh, I'm a seeker. I'm a believer. And John learned to lay his head upon the breast of Jesus. Jesus is looking for people where he can lay his head on there. It's not just about what I can get out of him. It's what he can have of me. Discipleship is not about what is given to you. It's what you give yourself to is what you get something out of. Amen. So you want a relationship to where you behold Jesus. You behold him. You gaze intently. To behold means to perceive through sight or apprehension, to gaze upon, to conform to one's actions or practices. In John chapter 1, verse 29, 
The next day, John the, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming to him, and he said, Behold! He said, Behold! So his discipleship is putting emphasis upon beholding. He, he makes this, this bold statement, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here's a fiery brand preacher. He's a bona jeris. He's, he's an on-fire preacher. He's bringing this message. He's got camel's hair and leather. He's eating locusts and honey. I mean, it, it's sticking in his beard, and he's just all fiery up, right? And, and, and you see him preach about a lamb. Even as fiery as we get, we need to stay as, as, as meek and as gentle and as intimate as possible, right? He's not afraid. He said, this is him. This is the one because God told me this is how you'll know who he is. So Jesus is walking towards John in the spirit. He, he's, he's, he's carrying the spirit. I don't know how to convey this to you, but, but as a baptized believer of this, in the spirit of God, you're not just carrying uh, your prayer language. You're carrying somebody's prophecy. You're carrying somebody's healing. You're carrying, the out, you're carrying out the work of Jesus Christ. You are the generation that is mantled with the same glory that he was mantled with. You're partakers of this divine nature and glory and virtue is meant to come out of you too. Somebody ought to be able to touch you at the hem of your garment and healing come into their body. Somebody ought to get in, this, in the, the way of your shadow and become healed. Somebody ought to pick up your Kleenex while they're cleaning the church and, and they pick up a dirty Kleenex and they get healed of their cold. Come on, somebody. Because you were holding it like, like Vestal Goodman and you were singing glory to God and the anointing was on it and it just dropped on someone. You're a carrier of the presence of God. You're a carrier of the spirit of God. You're the carrying on, You're the carrying on of what he wants to do. He says, behold, the Lamb of God. Remember that. He takes away. Listen to me. We, we have a mindset, and I get it. He forgives sin. And then he forgets that we ever did it. So when we do it again, it's like we're doing it, you know, that he didn't remember. But the, the, you need to understand he takes away sin. If you have a sin that's going on in your life that you're saying, I'm tired of it, I'm sick and tired of it, and there's a good possibility you might be sick because you have that sin. There could be, it could affect things in a spirit of infirmity in your life. It could be what's causing things. It could be a sin. But I want you to know something. He doesn't just forgive it. He takes it away. It, it doesn't have to be there anymore. That's why Jesus said, just like he took that unclean spirit out of a man and said, listen, if, if you don't fill it up, in seven days it'll come back and it'll find it empty and swept and it'll come in. One thing, it's gone, but you need to be fully removed from you. Amen? Let him cast it away from you and say it's free. So down in verse 35, it's the second day of discipleship. And, and, and here he says again, he said again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. Now, this one here was the initial, be saved. This one is now follow him. Be forgiven and set free from your sin, but now don't take your eyes off him. But if you have sin in your life that has not been taken away, you're going to struggle following Jesus. You'll be distracted with that attraction. And so he is saying here, this is a process. You need to be sin-free. Sin you need to be sinless so that you can be free and not distracted at following Jesus. Are you with me? And so we see what you behold is what you become. And, the, and these disciples that Jesus started to call and they started to follow, they became like Jesus. 
That's, they're, they're the book of Acts. They carry that stuff out. Matter of fact, there was the 12, and then there was the 70, and then there was the 120. I mean, it started to grow and to mature in the midst of it. But all these people were doing the same things Jesus was doing. He said, if you believe in me, you'll do the same works that I do, and greater works, not a greater work, but greater works will you do. It is so much. I remember years ago when we first started going to the streets and doing street ministry, and I went by myself a few places. And then I took two people with me. And now we'll have a, a couple hundred sometimes on the outreaches that we do at Mardi Gras and on the streets there. And, and the reality is I don't get to do the street ministry as much as I used to. I'm now facilitating but more is happening now than if just one was doing it. It's just an analogy. It's just a picture there. You are it. Tag, you're it. He's saying this, I want to pass on. I want to, listen, he said he will do it again. And Jesus said, he didn't say that for my sake. The father said that for your sake. In other words, he's saying what he did in my life, he'll do it again in your life. You're that anointed generation. So, but what you behold is what you become. You must gaze intently. Uh, you must conform to his actions, to his plans. You, it's important that you become. To become means to come into existence, to come to be, to undergo change or development. That's where you are. That's where I was on that creek bed when I was sitting there and bending down there. That's the pain I still have. He marked me that day in my life. He changed me. I can never forget the yoke that he put upon my life. It was not a yoke of bondage. It was a yoke of accompaniment. It was a yoke of purpose on my life that I'd be yoked up with Jesus. Not every yoke is bad. And let me clarify something here. We've been doing this discipleship school for a long time. And it was at the end of a year, nine months, and we're on our final retreat. And a guy said to Gretchen and I, I said, yoke. He said, oh, I always thought you guys meant the thing in the middle of the egg. He thought we were saying yolk, not yoke, okay? So I'm not talking about an egg right now, okay? I'm talking about the yoke of the mantle of Jesus Christ on our lives. He said, it's good for a young man to bear his yoke in his youth. It is good for you right now. I'm proud of you that you submitted your life, that you committed your life, that you said, I'll do discipleship, and you have submitted to somebody else's authority. It's good for you to do that. They are setting an atmosphere. They're facilitating a time in your life to where God can do things that otherwise would not have time to do. So you're in a good place. I'm proud of you. I commend you for where you are. So we need to become, it's, it's time for us to come into existence. It's time for us to, to come in to undergo the change of the development. Now let's go to the text. Let's go to Acts chapter 26. Let us become. Let us become. There's some words that you carry, and there's some words that carry you. I believe that this word is a word that I carry, but it's going to be a word that carries you through this year. It's the story of the account that Paul gives of who he was when he was Saul before he came Paul. So he's at the end of his journey, in essence. He's, he's at the far down end of the creek bed, and he's still connected to what happened at his creek bed. You get what I'm saying? And listen, you don't outgrow your testimony. But your testimony grows as you live it out. Are you with me? 
And so what he's doing in your life now is shaping you. In fact, open your ears because you're going to learn how to be married in this school. You're going to learn how to be a preacher in this school. You're going to learn how to be a friend in this school. Every aspect of it is now being established. The foundation is being put in place for you to grow and to come off of this, to be living stones in the church. Amen? So in Acts chapter 12, excuse me, 26, verse 12, uh, Saul has given this account. He has been delivered, he's been set free, he's been doing ministry for a very long time. Signs, wonders, miracles, healings are taking place. But there's still something that hasn't been fulfilled. It's kind of like what you're saying, Seth, this is why you're coming to a, an end of, a, of one season. It's going to be the, the omega, but it'll become the alpha of the next things, how you handle this. You're, you're going, you're fulfilling something that hasn't yet happened. But as you step into that, he'll open a new door for where you need to go. So while thus occupied, he said, now I'm fully occupied. And he said, I'm, I'm going through things. I'm doing what I felt I was doing. Uh, Paul was a fulfilling a prophecy before Paul fulfilled prophecy. What do you mean? Jesus said, there come a day where people will kill people thinking they're doing God's service. Paul was killing people thinking he was doing God's service. Jesus said that day's coming. So listen, whether, whether we're in the end times of the last days or, or all that there, uh, they've, they've been in it too. We have history, friends. The body of Christ, they all lived as such. They had to live under the understanding. They might not have seen it in the clouds, but I'm sure when the Holocaust hit, everybody thought this is it. And I got news, everything's lining up for this to be it because these are the days. These are those days. All those days they prophesied about, these are it. You're going to go to heaven one day, and you're going to be in heaven, and you're going to be like, man, I want to talk to Moses. I want to talk to John the Baptist. I want to talk to this person. I want to talk to that person. And they're going to be like, no, no, no. They're lining up to talk to you. And you're saying, well, why would you want to talk to me? And they're going to say, what was it like to live in the days I died for? What was it like to live in the days I prophesied about? What was it like to live in the days that, that, that I wrote about? What was it like to live in the days that I was on the Isle of Patmos and I was in a vision and I was in the spirit one day and he gave me the revelation. What was it like to live in those days? That's us. That's who we are. It's where we live. So he said, I'm occupied. He said, I journeyed to Damascus with authority and a commission from the chief priest. At midday, high noon, O king, along the road, I saw the light. No more in darkness, no more in sin. You guys know that little song? He said, I saw the light from heaven. Hank thought he wrote it. Saul lived it. He said, I saw the light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me. And those who journeyed with me, and when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. All right, let's talk about this a little bit. He's minding his own business, going down the road. There's only one sun that could be brighter than the sun, Right? And you know if you look at the sun long enough, you're going to be blinded, right? It'll affect your sight. Well, I want you to know one thing. Is that God blinded Saul so he could give him his vision. He wiped everything out. He canceled it all. Those little portals there that had recorded all those thoughts and all those. Could you imagine living your whole life? He was able to say, I, I was the chief of sinners. I'm the chief of sinners. 
But he didn't live his whole life with those, those images always before him. God delivered him and set him free. He delivers you before you find your freedom. He's already established it for you. Are you with me? And so there he is. He's having this encounter. And I'm going to condense this a little bit. He's having this encounter. And in this encounter, it said everybody fell down. I remember years ago preaching in a revival. And, and, and I called all the teenagers up to the, up to the stage. And around this piano where Lenny LeBlanc was the worship leader. And they're all standing around this piano. And then I made another altar call. I have this problem. I make multiple altar calls. And I can't remember what I called. I'm trying to stop, okay? I've got an addiction, okay? It's, it's, it's a problem. It's a bigger problem. And so I make this other altar call, and now I'm way over here. The sanctuary seats about 2,000. So it's a good distance from me to the piano. And I'm over here, and I'm like, oh, man, I forgot about the teenagers. So I turned around to say something to them, and when I turned around and went like that, they all 50 fell out in the spirit. All 50 of them fell out. And I thought, I've got the hen anointing. I, there, there is a, there, I've got the Benny on me, brother. I got the, you may have the Benjamin. I got the Benny in, you know, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm on it, you know? And, and I realized in that moment, I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. I didn't sling anything. All I did is point at the one who was doing the thing and he was waiting patiently. He's a perfect gentleman. And he touched off. They all fell out. So they were what? Slain in the spirit, slain in the spirit. They were overcome with his presence. We had a, a young uh, believer, young spirit-filled believer uh, sent us a message the other day, and she said, we went to the spirit-filled church, and they're, they're out of a mainline church, and they're just seeking God. And she said, she's talking to her son, she said, well, they were all filled with the Spirit. She said, after they were all filled with the Spirit, what she was describing was they're all laying on the ground. And I thought, that's exactly what it is. We call it slain the Spirit, but because they were filled with the Spirit, they were laid out. When you get slain in the Spirit, you're being filled with the Spirit again. So don't resist it. And he's probably putting you under so he could take something out of you or put something in you that otherwise you wouldn't allow. Because of your feelings, because of your past, because of your experience. But it's, it's kind of like that's where they get in the medical field, in the hushtan. That's where they get in the medical field. If we put them under, we lay them out, we, we make their body feel like it's dead, then we can go in there and cut everything up and get the nasty stuff out and put the good stuff in and heal them up. And they get them and go, hey, I, I didn't feel anything. There's things he's doing. So the first thing I want to say to you, let us become people of his presence. Do not for a moment think one dab will do it. Jesus was being filled with the spirit. You, you need to make sure you break the mindset that you have been filled. Oh, I've already been filled. And you need to have the mindset I'm being filled. Right? And so it's, it's a process. It's a continuation going his life. So we see that he first introduced him as a person of his presence. Have you ever noticed that your life really changed? Your mind might have changed. Your thoughts might have changed. But your life really changed when you got in the presence. The presence changes everything. The presence. We talked about the fullness this morning. Pastor Autumn talked about the fullness. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Okay? And so he became, he started to become a person of his presence. But while he's there, I want to point something out there. While he's there, God spoke to him. In, in Hebrew, I know Christina and I've had this conversation times that there's different times when God speaks her, speaks her in Spanish and her native language speaks her in Spanish. Her majority of people I've ever met, that's predominantly what he speaks to is in her native language. Well, God was revealing to him, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he spoke in the Hebrew language. He knew other languages, but he chose that language because of the tribe that he came out of. And he was connecting with that. Are you with me? Here's my point. You've never seen in the Bible where Jesus spoke in tongues. 
But you ask anybody who has a native language, he speaks in all tongues. So God speaks in tongues. Because when they spoke in tongues in the upper room, they spoke other people's language. I'm not talking about your prayer language. I'm just talking about tongues. Tongues that can be interpreted. Tongues that can bring forth life. Are you with me? I, I was, some years ago, we were on the streets, and, and, and we're doing our outreach down in Mardi Gras, and, and, and a lady came up to me. She said, I had a dream last night, and, and we found a girl, and that girl was stranded, and, and that girl was in trouble, and, and, and I didn't know her language, and she didn't know my language, but I spoke her language, and she understood me, and we delivered her. And so we're walking down the street that night, and she goes, I think that's the girl. I said, I think that's the girl, too. I can sense it. There's a girl stranded sitting on the steps down by on Jackson Square, and she just sitting there just kind of shivering a little bit, scared and nervous. And so that lady walked over. The girl doesn't know English and the lady doesn't know Spanish. And the lady spoke complete Spanish to her, has never spoken Spanish in her life. And the girl understood and responded. We got her. We took her out and we got her to a safe house. She had just been dropped off. She had a five minute window of a sex trafficking slave and she had just been dropped off. And that anointing came on that woman to speak that language. That's the Bible. Listen, that's the Bible. That's the Bible we believe. That's the scriptures we live by. That's what is supposed to happen in our lives and can happen through our lives. Amen. That's that glory and that virtue that comes out. So let us become that. He said, I heard a voice. There's something about the presence. That's where you hear his voice. And listen, you get slain in the spirit. You get filled in the spirit. Don't get up until you've heard what he wants to say. And don't worry about hearing what they're praying over you. They're speaking into your spirit. They're investing into you. There have been days in my life, also I'm like, oh my goodness, where'd that go? Oh my goodness, that's when I was being prayed for that time. Oh, that word's coming to me. Oh my goodness, it starts to come out of you. Are you with me? All right, let's, let's move on. He said, Saul, Saul. Why did they say Saul, Saul? Whenever, and you see the scripture, whenever God or Jesus says Saul, Saul, Samuel, Samuel, uh, Peter, Peter, whenever he says the name twice, he, he's making sure he has the, the natural ear attention. And also that he has the heart. He's speaking to both who you are. Are you with me? He's speaking to your natural man and your spirit man. Because if you hear it in the natural, we have no problems. You're going to carry it out in the spirit. Are you right? And so he's speaking to him. He says, Saul, Saul. He's getting his attention. Why are you persecuting me? Now, this, this is dynamic of God. Because Jesus said, if you do to the least of them, you're doing to me. But if you're persecuting people, you're not really persecuting the people. You're persecuting him. That's why there's terrorism, because they hate God. It's not because they hate you. They didn't hate those people. They don't hate those people over there. They hate God. And they know that if they can, if they can hurt them, they can hurt God. Uh, it's hard, hard to swallow, isn't it? But the reality is the same thing with abortion. Same with abortion. It really goes after God. It really gets to who he is. For I knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. And so the enemy's like, that's where I can steal. That's where I can rob. That's where I can take it out. I knew you. Listen, he said, before you were formed, I knew the substance. I knew you before you got in your mother's womb. And he said, I knew whether you were male or female. And when somebody starts to mutilate that, somebody starts to manipulate that, it hurts God. We need to have an understanding. It's not what hurts the church. It's what hurts God. And when we can start feeling like what God feels, then we can start moving and act like God feels because Jesus was moved with compassion. And when he was moved with compassion, he healed people. But it's because he was feeling what God was feeling in the midst of it. Oh, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. You need a, you need a shepherd. You, 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 need to be, you need to come under my wing. You need to be into that place. So we must feel what God is feeling. The way that we'll really get free from sin and have a hatred for sin is when we feel what sin does to God, not what it does to us. Amen. 
And he goes on to me, he says, he says uh, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. I'm going to spend a little bit more time on this than the next two, so just, just bear with me for a second. Uh, a goad is, um, is what they would use, a, a cattle rancher will use to prod cattle to move, okay? Stubborn cattle, a cow that won't move. They, take, they have these little electric shockers now, and they'll put it on their, on their hind side, and they'll kind of zap them a little bit and kind of move them forward. Does that make sense? Uh, they used to use it with just a, a sharp point there, and it kind of touched them because their their hides so so uh, hard, it's so uh, thick, and and sometimes our hearts are that way. Sometimes our hearts are so callous. Sometimes our minds are so uh, dumbed. Sometimes we're so ignorant. Sometimes we're so hard-hearted. It, it takes something really sharp. It takes something really uh, 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 powerful to to even get us to think right. And so this is what he's saying to him. He's saying he's saying, "My goads, I've been convicting you, but you've been kicking against them." So in other words, this isn't the first time that Jesus reached out to Saul. It's not the first time. He had been dealing with him before. He's been tapping on his heart. He, he's been pricking at him. He's gonna, but he says he, he keeps kicking against him and, and shoving him away, and he, he doesn't give in to him. And I, and I see students throughout the year that will, there's certain things God will start dealing with, and they'll push it away, and they'll shove it off there. Listen, you're only making it hard for yourself. Yes, it's unpleasant for us, but you're making it hard for yourself. The sooner you can surrender to his convictions, the sooner you'll become free and to live your life of fulfillment. Listen, in the world, conviction puts people in prison. In the kingdom, conviction sets them free. That's where you are. Listen, that, that your preachers, your teachers, your ministers, they, they are living convictions, they're living disciplines, and they know the truth, and they know the truth, and only the truth can set you free. And so when they speak the truth from you, don't repel it, don't rebel it, don't resist it, accept it. Let it change you and transform you. Because we need you. We need you to be who he wants you to be. And so uh, people of his presence, everybody say people of his presence. Uh, Saul looks at him and goes, who are you, Lord? That's pretty intense. That's pretty intense because we have a tendency to meet a Jesus who's a Savior, and then we struggle the rest of our life to know him as a Lord. And because we met him, we're good with him, and we never pursue any further to be submitted to him. But he has this revelation. He's Lord, so I, whoever you are, I'm submitting to you. And so he didn't know him personally. He didn't know him intimately, but he understood who he was. He submitted to the lordship. There's two words in the English language that never go together, Lord and no. Yeah, he's still Lord, but when you say no, he ain't your Lord. You see what I'm saying? A, a total submission, total commitment. Submission produces authority. God is dethroning him of the authority that man had given him, and he's breaking him down like the, like the Marine Corps would, breaks him down to a few good men, and then he calls him up and gives him a new level of authority. Are you with me? A new level of authority. So he said, who are you, Lord? That ought to be our question. Who are you, Lord? Whatever you say I will do, speak, Lord, your servant listens. And he goes on and he says, I am Jesus. I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. So he reveals to him on a personal level. Jesus, if, if Jesus knows you recognize the lordship, he'll take you into the intimacy, into that intimacy, into that personal relationship. Are you with me? So we spend so much time trying to know Jesus, and there's certain things we can't know because he knows that if we just know him as Jesus, we might not be submitted to him and to his lordship, and we don't carry out what he does, and we'd be a bad example instead of a good example. 
So some of the things that God has for you, some of the anointing, some of the gifting, some of the calling, some of the victories that God has for you are connected to his lordship in your life. And if you do it out of lordship, guess who gets the glory? He does. He said, I won't share my glory. Okay, let's move on. So people of his presence. He said, but rise and stand on your feet. He said, but rise and stand on your feet. Wherever the word stand is in the Bible, there's a second layer of, it's a change of position. It's an upright position, but there's a secondary definition to it. It means to interrupt normal activity. In other words, he's saying, look, buddy, I'm changing everything in your life right now. Uh, listen, you stand up. You come in agreement with me. You know, when, when, when Bishop's preaching, when Pastor Jared's preaching, somebody's preaching, and you stand up, you're interrupting normal activity. You're saying, I stand for that. I come in agreement. I will stand in agreement with this, right? And so here he's saying, you stand. You rise and stand on your feet. There's just some things we need to realize is that he doesn't just knock us down to keep us down. He doesn't just save us to keep us safe. There, there, there's, there's a responsiveness that needs to come, right? It's not just what he's done for you, and now you position yourself for what you're going to do for him. I believe in just a few moments, we're going to get an opportunity to stand. We're going to get an opportunity to rise to our feet and say, I'm yours. Use me for your glory. Use me for your purposes. I want to be who you created me to be. He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. He said, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. Every vision, every encounter is connected to a purpose. Every prophecy doesn't just have a promise. It has a purpose. It has an instruction in that prophecy. Every divine visitation, operation that comes from heaven has a purpose attached to your life. And your life was created to be attached to that purpose. He is reunifying the very cause of who this man was created to be. Uh, understanding that, that your life was, was created for his pleasure, for his glory. It is God who will work in you, who does work in you to do his will and his good pleasure. You are created for greater things. You're created for greater purposes. And you need to, you need to be reconnected to that. Now listen, in Jeremiah 1, he said, I knew you. Everybody say knew you. Now, let's connect that word knew all the way back to Adam and Eve. When Adam knew Eve, they had Cain. That word know is, is not just up here. It's an intimate word. It's, it's, this, listen, I don't, I don't mean to be rude or crude whatsoever. To the pure, all things are pure. To the defiled, all things are defiled. Intercourse, you become one. Gretchen and I are one. And we have, we have offspring from that. We produce something. He said, I knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. All right? And then you show up over in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, there's a bunch of people who have prophesied. They've cast out devils. And he said, depart from me. I never knew you. You can do ministry without doing life with Jesus. Could you imagine getting to the point that you're in ministry and you think you're everything and all that in a bag of chips. And everybody around you thinks you're something. They've elevated and they've thrown you and they call you Hosanna. And they start to lift you up and carry you out. But then you come to find out he didn't know you. What he's saying is you are not who I knew you could be. Even doing something good. But the reality is most people aren't even going to be close to that. And he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And you're going to say, but I went to church. You're going to say, I had perfect attendance in Sunday school. You're going to say, I went to a discipleship school. Let me tell you something about discipleship school. 
I've taught in YWAM bases on the whole Western side and in different countries. I've done over 100 schools in YWAM, teaching on prophetic evangelism and a father heart of God and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sitting on a plane. I get stranded in Denver, uncommon situation. I am 45, I'm 50 minutes away from Colorado Springs by car, but there's no car to rent. And I was flying into Colorado Springs. You just had to rent a car and drive down. And I'm sitting there thinking, what is going on here? Why am I here? Okay, just whatever you're doing. Finally, we get on the plane and we're flying. It's like a 15 minute flight. We get up in the air and we're flying. I'm sitting in first class next to this lady who is dressed to the tens. And I start a conversation with her and we start talking. She said, you're going to do what? I said, I'm going to teach at a YWAM school. YWAM Discipleship School, DTS, Lauren Cunningham just passed away, is, is a five-month school, three months in the school, two months on a foreign mission field, okay? And so I'm talking to this lady. She goes, YWAM, YWAM. She said, man, that sounds familiar. She said, YWAM, and she's a businesswoman. I mean, she's got all the stuff going, right? She said, I think I did a YWAM school. She said, I don't, maybe not. She said, yeah. Man, it's coming back to me. It's like I did a school and then we went to some country. I said, yeah, she forgot. I got news for you. You can forget everything that's happening right now. You can forget this in about five minutes. You can forget your school in about a week. You can forget. Don't think that you're, that you're already there. You with me? Until you attach to your purpose, you'll be distracted by all the plans. All the thoughts. So there's a, there's a, there's a, purpose for your life. Let us become people of his presence, but let us become people of his purpose. This is the biggest problem with the Pentecostal and charismatic movement is that they got caught up in the presence and they've never attached to the purpose to walk out and to carry out the plans and the purposes of God. David, it says in Acts chapter 13, verse 36, David fulfilled, he served God's purposes in his generation. I meet so many people who want to be a David, who want to be like David, who want to be a king like David, want to be a worship like him, but they're not feeling the purpose. Jesus, you, you, are, you are chosen. You are selected. He could have grabbed another seat off the counter. He could have spoke someone else into existence, but he didn't. He did you. He did you. I want you to know, God did you. He made you in a marvelous, in a fearful, in a marvelous way. Listen, this is the purpose. This is what he wants to do. He doesn't want you to say, oh, I'm a, I'm a graduate of, and oh, I, I'm a, a success story from. He says, I want to make you a minister. You see, God is consistent in what he does. He said, you guys follow me? I'll make you fishers of men. He said, I want to make you a minister. So that's what God is trying to do is to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and the things which you will yet be revealed to you. So I want you to be a minister. I want you to serve me. I don't know if you get the opportunity at your school. They get it here at our school. Serve until you can't serve anymore, until you have to serve again. I'm getting tired of serving. Never get tired of serving. What he's trying to do is condition you. The devil would call it brainwashing, but he's trying to condition you to where you serve without being asked. You serve like an ant. The ant wasn't told what to do. The ant just did it. Are you, are you with me? And, and so you just pick it up and you do it. He's looking for somebody who will serve like that. Jesus took on the form of a servant. He didn't have to, but he did. Why? Because he's looking for anybody that will catch that. See, everybody wants to prophesy. Everybody wants to heal. Everybody wants to cast out. But not very few want to hang on a cross, and even fewer want to serve the purpose. So the purpose is serving. 
When you, when you look at Peter and you look at Paul, they would identify himself, especially Peter. He said, Peter, the, 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 the bondservant and apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. We got this funny feeling that I, I want to be the apostle. You better be careful on the way there you might be the apostasy. Because when you want to be seen, instead of want him to be glorified, you're not on an apostolic movement. You're in a movement of apostasy. You're stepping out of the plan and the will of God. And so he wants us to understand it's about serving. It's all about serving. Uh, I, you know, I, I've been all places. I, they, they've, they have served us. They have served us. But I'll never forget after the, the wild ones, you know, and, and I'm standing there, Bishop and I are standing there, and we're just kind of hem-hawing with each other. We're, we're worship-booting, you know. We're just kind of bumping each other and just going on. And, 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 and Sorry, I'll get in trouble for that one. And, and, so, and so all of a sudden the teenagers leave and go back to the seats. I'm like, what on earth? There is candy wrappers everywhere. There is cards. I mean, there's, a, there's trash. I don't know if, if this, I don't know what they're doing, man. I don't know if they're just jumping. At, am I not telling the truth? And all of a sudden, with, without, without cure anything, I think, I think Will Murray kind of trained them all. But all of a sudden, just staff members came up. And it's as clean as a whistle. You think Jesus didn't see that? You think he didn't see that? They're staying disciplined. They're staying true. They're staying ready. You see an athlete who stops practicing, an athlete who stops conditioning, and his career stops before it needs to stop. And, and, and if you stay serving, you stay committed, you stay doing the purpose there in the heart of it, you're preparing yourself that he goes, I'll take you. I'll take you. Listen, when he walked in the room, he didn't say, oh, by the way, it's going to be Joshua. So y'all just sit back. He went and he looked and he chose a church. He chose a choice assistant, somebody who was serving the needs. Listen, you want to know why them women showed up at the tomb? You want to know why them women had anointing? Because they served Jesus. And he said, I can choose you because I know my purpose will be fulfilled. That's the plan. That's the plan. That's the purpose. So let us become people of his presence. Let us become people of his purpose. He said, and a witness of the things which you have seen. So he's saying that, that if you come in alignment to the purpose, you will see things that others don't see. You'll get to see things that the early disciples saw. You'll be able to say we've tasted and we've seen, we have touched, and we have handled, we have seen. Everything about the kingdom of God is seen and hearing. John the Baptist said, behold. See, we're back at the behold. Don't take your eyes off. But you see, if, you don't, if you're not beholding, you're not going to see. You say, I didn't see that happen in that service. You ever been in that situation? I didn't feel that. You're like, I don't know how you did. I know how you didn't. But that's the whole concept. It's training your eyes, training your ears, positioning your heart. So when you're in the purpose, you'll start to see things. I, with, with the disciples, when they go places with us or at things or, or traveling together in ministry, and, and they're there and they're working in the altars or catching people, but they're seeing the prophetic. We had it happen, Austin and I. Austin travels with me, and, and, and he's caught, I mean, people, hundreds of people caught him, right? And he's watched the ministry. And then all of a sudden we're at youth camp and he said, you going in there? I said, I'm not going in. And the Lord said, yeah, you're going in. I said, well, I don't feel like I'm supposed to. He said, you go in, but you catch and let Austin pray. And I'll just tell you up front, Pastor Jared, I am so happy he picked a bunch of small people. Man, because there's a few of them I thought, oh, no. Don't, no, no. And he went right around him. He was so sensitive to me, so caring. 
but I saw him lean his head in it. I saw him speaking his words. He had his own style, but I saw him pick up some of the style that he had seen. I saw him minister. Even some of the phrases or whatever were coming in there. And now he's getting ready. He's seeing what God can do in his life. He had seen, but now he's seen. Are you with me? That's, listen, that's why you're here. That's what we want to do with you guys. That's why I'm trying to hurry up and get off of this microphone so you guys can prophesy to one another. You guys can preach to one another. You guys can carry that out. Are you with me? All right, let's get this through. He said, I'm Jesus. Yes, you are. He said, I appeared for this person. Yes, he did. To make you a minister and witness, both of the things which I've seen and the things that I will yet reveal to you. So he's promising if you get in the, you get in the role of purpose, you become a people of his purpose, he'll bring revelation to you. Mm, yeah, there's a whole other message. Verse 17, we're, we're, we're done here. Two verses. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Okay, this is crazy. I'll deliver you from religion and I'll deliver you out of your heathenism because you think you're a Jew and there ain't no heathenism in you. But even though you're a Jew, you're living like a heathen. I'll deliver you from both of them. Not only will I deliver you out of it, I will deliver you to where they can't get a hold of you. They won't own you. They won't control you. I will set you free. So your serving is your positioning. It's your advancing of coming out of what had you stuck in. Are you with me? So I'll deliver you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles. Listen, to whom I now send you. What do you mean? He sent Paul to everybody. Paul preached to Gentiles and Paul preached to Jews. His last desire was, I want to go to Rome and I want to preach to those guys. And so at his very conversion is, in, is stated his last purpose on earth to go preach to the Romans. So is there the possibility that right now what he's saying to you, a little twig, that will connect you all the way to the end of who you are. He is the Alpha and he is the Omega. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. So everything in between, somebody ought to tell the Baptist this one, everything in between has a whole lot of meaning to be able to get you to where you are. No, I'm not saying that to be sarcastic to them. There are too many people that think we're saved until he comes. No, there's a purpose. There's a plan on our life. There's a call in our life. We are the ministers of God. We're the ministers of the gospel. We're the ministers of the spirit. We're the ministers of the Messiah. We are the carriers of what he wants to do. It's us. It's us. I was in a situation some years ago. I had a real bad drug addiction, alcoholism, and moral position in my life. So I get saved, and the only job there was was Coca-Cola, but I knew I needed to provide for my family, and I got a job at Coca-Cola. They said, you're overqualified for this. I said, sir, you can't be overqualified to meet a need. You can't be. I took the job as a help on a route. Somehow I got into the sign department, and I get a call on a Thursday afternoon, and the phone rings, and I said, uh, I answered and said, hey, we got a light out down at a club down on the end of South Parkway of Huntsville, and I was like, ah, that's that club, isn't it? He said, yeah, that's that club. It's a strip club, strip joint. He said, I need you guys to go down there and fix that light. Remember, he delivered me out so he could send me to. 
Listen, he, he doesn't deliver you out so you, you just hide in your Christianity. He wants to get you so free. You can go back in the bar. You can go back in the crack house. You can go. Yeah. That's what he did with this guy. He got him so saved that he could save people. And so there I go. I pick up. And I said, all right, we go down and we drive down. I can't fix a sign, but I can do all the work. I'm the manager. And I walk into the club and, and stage right. So I covered my eye. I called my wife before I went. I said, baby, this is where I'm going. Pray for me. I covered my eye. I talked to the manager, walked out, covered left. Never saw the nudity. Never saw any of that. So we get out there in the truck, and I'm up on the, up on the high lift of the truck, way up where the sign is, about 14 feet in the air. And I'm standing on the bridge of this truck up there, and a car pulls in the parking lot. And it has this bumper stick in the back. It says, WNDA, music from the heart. It was our Christian radio station in Huntsville. And I looked down, I thought, these two just don't go together, you know. And the poor guy gets out of the car, and I'm like, uh, excuse me, sir. And he's looking around. You know, I said, up here. He said, yeah. I said, I said, do you listen to WNDA? He goes, yeah. <laughs> he forgot where he was. He goes, yeah. I said, I do too. I said, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he gets in the car, and he drives off, you know. Might have saved a marriage. I don't know. Got back. It's Friday afternoon. Come on, somebody. It's Friday afternoon. Phone rings. I'm ready to go home. Hey, that light you went down to fix didn't get fixed. You guys need to go down the road. I said, right now? Since the weekend, I said, right now. I said, okay. Call Gretchen up. Same thing. Right eye, left eye, come out. I get up on the truck, and I'm up there, and Robert's working on the truck. He said, I don't know if there's anything wrong with this thing. He's looking. I said, just keep looking. We got in trouble. Just keep looking. And so, WNDA. I thought, did he not even see the truck? I said, I said, hey, I said, excuse me, sir. I said, up here, he goes, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he got in his car and he drove off. That's, that's a sliver. He called me out so he could send me back. Listen, what you came out of, there's other people still in it. Oh, what, what you aren't in anymore, because of you, they don't have to be in it anymore. There are people waiting for you. It's at the end of your tongue. It's at the reach of your hand. It's at the prints of your feet of where you go. You are deliverers. You are an exodus generation. The word chosen means an exodus generation. You are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a peculiar people. You are called of God to deliver people out of their bondage, to deliver people. Listen, I'm not done. You're going to be people of his presence. You're going to be people of his purpose, but he wants you to be people of his power. Last verse, listen to this. I think you're getting it. He said, now I send you. Now I send you to open their eyes. I said, what? I mean, the, the boy's sitting there blind. This is what God's telling him. This, this is a salvation moment. He's blind. He's like, to open. I can't even open my own eyes. That's right. Listen to me. That's right. The unclean spirit you can't get out of yourself, don't think you're going to cast a devil out of somebody else. Until you get victory in your own life, you will bring no victory to anybody else's life. That's why it's so important. At the level that you've experienced, the grace of God will be at that level and only that level and no higher that you'll be able to minister the grace of God. He wants to deliver you, set you free, send you, Use you to open their eyes. He said, I'm going to send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God. Let me tell you about my Jesus. I ought to write a song. I sound like a song.
He was manifested. He was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Aren't you happy he didn't just sit up in heaven and say, well, I'm eternally safe. But he came to the earth. Vulnerable. Not fully yet developed. Not fully yet grown or mature. Stature, wisdom, all that stuff. He learned obedience through the things which he suffered. He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Paul said, I die daily. Discipleship. It's a daily dying. And then he comes to this moment. And he has manifested simply. Manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Do not be satisfied nor content merely with manifested presence and worship. He said, I brought you to this place. To feel this, to experience this, to, to encounter this so that I can send you to those places. He wants to manifest you. He wants to be manifested through you. He wants to send you to deliver people from their blindness. To deliver people from their deception. To deliver people from uh, their sins. To deliver people from the power of Satan. Listen, to the power of God. God wants to baptize you. With his power. Love is powerful because it never fails. But here's where the power needs to first work in your life. Go ahead and stand your feet. Here's where the power first works in your life. He doesn't give you dominion to have dominion over others, He gives you power so you can have dominion over sin in your life. See, we're powerless when our weaknesses still conquer us. When you look at it from that perspective, like, wait, so that's my weakness, but it's stronger than me. But he's called you to power, to have authority over those weaknesses. Are you with me? He wants to make you powerful. And, and so you have dominion over sin. And when you have that, you'll have a greater level of authority to set captives free. So you stood as you stand he said that they may receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among those who are sanctified in me by faith. You have something going for you when it comes to ministering to others. They already have faith. They already have faith. And if you live by the word of God and you minister by the word of God, their faith will start to activate. But this whole thing is not just about the gifts. It's about the power to forgive people of their sins. Jesus said, the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive people their sins. You're carrying the power. The, listen, the only power that can set captives free. You are that minister. You're the only one. You're carrying that. I told our students just the other day, I pulled into the, the car wash, truck wash, whatever you want to call it, because I drive a truck. Pulled in there. There's a little girl. I'd met her before, talked to her. Well, this day I, I called her over and I said, how you doing? And are you still miss Pennsylvania? And she had moved here from Pennsylvania. Oh, I miss it so much. She said, you know what? I, I came back. I found out I have Lyme disease. I hadn't had spent a lot of time with her. I said, do you believe in prayer? She goes, in what? It was not a common word to her. I said, do you believe in prayer? She goes, um, I, well, I guess. I don't know. I guess. I said, do you mind if I pray with you? 
goes, yeah, sure. So I prayed with her. Got out of that prayer. She goes, that tingled. It just, I felt that it was just tingled. It's just all over. She's smiling, little dimples. Cutest little thing. She said, I don't, I just feel like I'm supposed to hug you. I want to hug you. So we're hugging through the door over there, you know. And she said, I said, do you know Jesus, Ashley? She said, I've heard of him, but not, not really. She said, but I just told my mom the other day, I, I want to get baptized. See, she knows religion. And that's okay. That she knows something good about that. At least she, she believes in it. But now we're in between to deliver her from the power of Satan to the power of God. I haven't seen her since. I haven't seen her since. But I believe God started to heal her. Started to deliver her. How many Ashleys are in your path? Saul's might be in your path. You get what I'm saying? So this is what I want to do. Then we're going to turn it over and just, man, I think we have lunch and some other stuff. But this is what I want to do. If you're at the place of saying, I, I want to become a person of his presence, I think we have that one down. I think we do. But I need to become more fully committed to be a people of his purpose. That's why I want to let you respond. And if you have that passion, you're saying, man, I just, I want to be a person of his power. Not unless you can say, Lord. Not unless you can say, Lord. Just wanting it isn't enough. It's submitting to that Lordship. That he can use you where he wants to use you. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God Himself. And I thank you for the Word that has been heard. I thank you for the Word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.